0: Welcome back to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast, brought to you by Violet Defense. Violet Defense is dedicated to protecting our world from germs by bringing the power of UV disinfection to everyday spaces. Their patented technology enables them to harness the power of the sun to incorporate ultraviolet light into products and environments like never before. Whether you're ready to implement existing products or if you'd like to explore researching and developing a custom deployment of their technology for your school, Violet Defense has the solutions and the experience you need. Thanks again to Violet Defense for sponsoring the Educational AD Podcast. Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Educational 80 Podcast. Uh, today we have uh, some podcast royalty, uh, celebrity if you will, Dr. Mark Rarick. Uh, Mark is a certified master athletic administrator. He's the athletic director for the Grand Forks public school system. Very active on the national level, serving on committees and uh, obviously very active at state level. He's also uh, one of the hosts, uh, probably one of the founders of, uh, I think, the podcast that started all, the Off-Duty ADs. Mark, welcome to our podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jake. It's good to be on here. I think you're going to need to lower the bar on what you consider royalty, though, if, if I'm included in, in uh, at that level, but I certainly appreciate the intro. And, uh,
0: as you and I talked a little bit before we came on, I uh, always enjoyed listening to you and your uh, partners and um, you know, hopefully you guys will be able to continue that down the road. Well, like most podcasts, uh, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you went to school and college and, and maybe how uh, a love of sports led to this career in athletic administration.
1: Yeah, um, born and raised in North Dakota, and, and I've, I've ventured around the state, but not outside the borders. Um, you know, actually combined my love of sports pretty honestly. Um, my, uh, my parents got their first teaching job in a, uh, in a tiny little school in North Dakota um, and, and started there in August. And My twin brother and I were born in September, um, and, and my dad, uh, you know, just quintessential small school teacher. He was teaching high school math. Uh, He was a head football coach, assistant basketball coach, assistant track and field coach, and then assumed the summer baseball program also. Um, And and when I say small, I I mean small. You know, I I always, uh, I I giggle a little bit when we're at the national and, you know, you're talking to people who say, you know, I grew up in a small community, you know, about 40,000, 50,000, you know. uh, My small community when I was there was 1,200. Um, it's, it's probably close to about six or 700 now. So it it was, it was tiny and and really kind of in the middle of nowhere. So, um, you know, there was no, you know, running to a bigger town or anything. It was, it was pretty enclosed. Um, and, and so, you know, those of us that were around our age group really had the run of town. Um, And, and, you know, a handful of boys our age, of course, I had a twin brother, which helped. Um, And I had a dad with the master key to the school and and to every athletic facility in town. So, um, you know, my, my mom taught kindergarten. Um, and and the, the building and actually where I grew up is a K-12 building, elementary on one side, high school on the other. So, you know, really about the time that my twin brother and I got to school, um, it, you know, we, we would finish our school day on the elementary side and, and we'd just walk over to dad's practice on the high school side. And so, you know, I grew up at football practice. Um, you know, we, we weren't quite as involved at the, at the basketball practices in the winter um, or even track in the spring. And then, of course, you know, dad was our coach. Um, in the in the summer and and you know so a lot of my love for sports came from that uh, you know very literally you know my dad was my first coach because he was our little league baseball coach and he was my last high school coach um, in fact my senior year of high school he was head football head basketball head track and field um, and and so you know he was he was the only voice I had but um, that was all we did I mean there was no you know we grew up in the middle of pheasant country and and there's a lot of hunting and, and you know, stuff that goes on out there, but we didn't do any of that. Um, we were, we were a 12 month sports family. I um, mean, and that's what we did. So I, you know, I, I packaged that. I went to a, a small NAI school in North Dakota, um, had the opportunity to play four sports there. Um, and, and so I, I ended up spending, I'm a, I'm a double major. So I spent five years there. Um, I was a part of 15 athletic seasons um, throughout four different sports through my time there um, finished up, got a job teaching and coaching in a small North Dakota school, spent nine years there, moved into administration, uh, went across the state to the west side of the state for two years as, a, as an AD and, and assistant principal, and that was really how I, you know, I really got into the athletic director world. Uh, my, my last four years at the school where I was teaching and coaching, I spent time as the AD, um, but a really small school, and so being an AD there, you know, really just meant creating the schedules schedule the buses, find somebody to be your PA, you know, make sure your officials show up and that's it. Um, you know, I, I, was, I was convinced at that point that I, I was going to be a principal. And uh, so when I started looking for admin jobs, I, you know, I found one across the state in a, in a larger school, a class A school in North Dakota. Um, and, and I took it because of the, the assistant principal piece and it came with athletic director. And I was there for about a month or so before I realized I really loved being a full-time athletic director. Um, and, and, uh, you know, started getting a, a little more involved in our state organization at that point, uh, was fortunate enough to, to have knowledge of uh, hall of famer, Ed Lockwood. Um, and Ed was the one who nudged me into the national scene and I was out there two years. And then, uh, you know, former NIAAA president Todd Olson, who was in my current chair, took a job 70 miles South in Fargo, which opened up the job in Grand Forks. And, uh, that was 10 years ago. And here I am. So, um, I mean, that's it. I, I, you know, I was, was born into sports and I haven't left. I've been here ever since.
0: Yeah. I, I always love to, to hear the stories. And uh, again, you know, if you do things long enough, you, you end up checking a few boxes uh, uh, in this position, but, um, much of my career was spent in schools, just like you described. Uh, I g- did grow up in a small town, but we had uh, an enormous school district that drew from a lot of different areas, but the town, the school is in is very small. Uh, so I remember those days. Um, and then you mentioned two names, you know, Ed Lockwood and Todd Olson. Uh, Todd and I both came on the certification committee at the same time, you know, a long time ago, I got to know him and then Ed Lockwood uh, continues to uh, work with certification. I'd certainly call you know, him one of, excuse me, one of my mentors. So uh, it's great to have those uh, commonalities. Um, let's go and jump into that mentoring question. In our profession, we always talk about the importance of leadership and particularly mentoring. So I'm curious, who are some of your mentors? I'm going to guess your dad's probably up there uh, at the top of the list, but who are some of the other voices that uh, you still hear in your head today?
1: Yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, I got into teaching and coaching because of my parents Um, and and like most, you know, teachers, they, you know, they spent our childhood growing up telling us not to get into public education and here I am anyway. Um, But uh, you know, as a, as a coach, I mean, my my dad was certainly my first mentor. Um, You know, it's, it's interesting how much that's shaped my views as a dad. Now Um, I I have four boys at home ages uh, four to 15 and I, I'm very conscious of, of how I treat them, I guess, as a dad and as a coach, simply because growing up, you know, dad's voice was the only voice that I had as a coach. And, and fortunately, I, you know, I, I liked being coached by him. It worked well. Um, my dad is an old school coach. Um, he was, uh, you know, in terms of pushing my twin brother and I, dad was very quick to point out what we were doing wrong. Um, and, and, you know, we were we were mentally strong enough competitors where it wasn't, you know, we, it wasn't like we ever questioned our worth. Um, we just knew that, you know, dad, as a perfectionist, as a coach was was going to nudge us towards fixing the things that were wrong. Um, and, and it worked really well for me. Um, you know, fear of failure has has really kind of always motivated me, um, even probably more so than being successful, uh, just not being crappy. Right. Um, but uh, but I, I was very aware um You know that his voice was the only voice when I got to college and in my freshman year of college, um, I I played football, basketball and baseball, and uh, I I was fortunate enough, um, I I played on the offensive side of the ball for football and and our offensive coordinator was the head baseball coach Um, and and I, I got along and still get along really, really well with him. Um, we changed head football coaches my second year, and, and uh, then I had the same basketball coach for five years, but all of those guys were were different, um, valued different things, spoke in a different way, motivated in a different way, and I I latched on to certain aspects of all of them, and and really, it was at that point that I became aware that, you know, as I was in high school, and I was in junior high, high school growing up. I, I mean, I I was really motivated by this one thing, and it was one voice, and thankfully, it worked for me. Um, Had it not, I I probably would have struggled as an athlete. And so, you know, as a dad, now I I try to apply that to to my kids. I I actually make a conscious effort to not coach my kids with their youth stuff because they're going to hear it from me in the backyard anyway and I, and I wanted to hear different sports Uh used be different voices with their different sports so um, but all of my all of my college coaches um, you know applied something to me I had a great superintendent when I was a first- year teacher um, so in terms of just true leadership and, and providing autonomy with structure uh, was really big you know my, my superintendent would really let you do your thing um, he would tell you when you were getting to the edges um, but, uh, you know, was not a micromanager, put a lot of trust in, in the folks that work for him. Um, and then once I got into the AD world, um, especially when I got into bigger schools, it was some of those names that I've mentioned. Um, you know, a, a real big one for me was Jim Hausler, who was the, the AD in Bismarck High School for years and years. Um, and, and, you know, because North Dakota is a small state, Jim was actually a basketball official for my high school career. And so I knew him from that. And then all of a sudden became a colleague and, and instantly related to him. Um, you know, Ed Lockwood, uh, you know, in terms of mentorship and, and getting involved in the NIAAA, uh, my, my uh, I guess, kind of first thing with, with the NIAAA was on the uh, five-year strategic plan um, two plans ago. And my involvement on that was when uh, when Ed bumped into me at an NDI AAA meeting and said to me, um, I, I offered your name for inclusion on the NIAAA strategic plan and you're going to do it. So let me know how it goes. <laughs> and, and that was it. Um, you know, I was in, uh, you know, then my, my other major involvement, I guess, is uh, is on the publications committee where I'm the vice chair right now. Um, set to become the chair when uh, when Bill Fitzgerald is done in 2023, um, but my end with that was local. Also, uh, Craig Perry, who worked for the Minnesota High School League and was on publications, had pulled a couple of things from a blog I was writing at that time and and submitted it to the publications committee. And um, and then when he finished his term for Section Five, I I stepped into his role and. Um, and Craig and I had a connection because he was the Grand Forks AD before Todd. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's all pretty circular that way. But, you know, those, all of those guys would have some influence in what I'm doing now. Um, and of course, you know, Jake, like you now, you know, being so involved at the national level, I mean, you, you take so much from all of the people that you see, the, the folks that you're on committees with, the folks that you see with committees passing by, the board members you get a chance to talk to, certainly Mike and Phil. Um, in the office, I mean, in, in every conversation, every interaction, you know, whether it seems benign or not, you, you pick up something, you know, whether it's, whether it's a, a new touch on philosophy, whether it's a, you know, a new way to, to file things. I mean, it could be something huge. It could be something stupid and small. Um, but it, it, it's just amazing. Once you get involved with athletic directors from all four corners, how much you can take um, from every little interaction. And so um, yeah, really wide-ranging answer for you there, but it's, uh, it, you know, I, I think the influence on me as an AD is growing. Uh, I mean, really, as my involvement is growing.
0: No, I, I appreciate you going into that depth because it, it actually took us into, you know, what was going to be the next talking point about, you know, how you got involved with NIAA and the State Association. You know, as I always say, you know, the, the young athletic directors, you know, they'll, you know, go to their first state conference or, you know, their first national conference. And, you know, they'll, they'll see people, you know, like you and me that have been doing this for a while and, and just kind of, you know, wonder, well, geez, how do you get to that point? Well, it starts locally and you, know, you volunteer for that first committee, you know, you start taking LTI courses and and you just end up getting uh, sucked in uh, by drinking the the Kool-Aid. So uh, no, that's, uh, I'd love to hear those stories about how people got involved and. Um, how they continue to help others, uh, both locally and globally. So great stuff. For listeners, we're visiting with Dr. Mark Rarick, Certified Master Athletic Administrator and the Athletic Director for the Grand Forks Public School System. We're going to come back, but uh, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our podcast sponsor, Violet Defense. Violet Defense is dedicated to protecting our world from germs by bringing the power of UV disinfection to everyday spaces. Their patented technology enables them to harness the power of the sun to incorporate ultraviolet light into products and environments like never before. Whether you're ready to implement existing products or if you'd like to explore researching and developing a custom deployment of their technology for your school, Violet Defense has the solutions and the experience you need Thanks again to Violet Defense for sponsoring the Educational AD Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to our conversation with Dr. Mark Rarick, Grand Forks, North Dakota. Mark, you've been around for a while. You've been at some different schools. And one of the things that we try to do with this podcast is the idea of sharing best practices. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, As you look at your schools and the the programs that you provide to kids what are a couple of uh, initiatives maybe they're even things that you have uh, developed but uh, what are a couple things that when you look at you know you can say with equal parts pride and humility boy we do this better than anybody else Uh, what are some best practices that you can share with us
1: yeah, I think one of the things that that I try to be very conscious of here is the, the placement of athletics within a tax funded public school system. Um, you know, and and I you know I I know there's different funding models across the country, um, but for our schools in North Dakota, we are we are dependent on general fund transfers, um, you know, from from our our tax base, and so you know we really have to make sure that folks see the value in what we're doing. Um, you know, one of the things that I talk about with my coaches all the time is, you know, if, if all you're doing is teaching skill, scheme, strategy, then we're not meeting the purpose of, of educational-based athletics in a public school system, um, particularly one that's tax-funded. Because, you know, I, in, in other ADs have said this too. You hear people talk about this. We we can't do that as well as the clubs that can wholly focus on skill, scheme, and strategy. So, you know, if, if all we're doing is coming out and teaching kids how to dribble, shoot, defend, and rebound we're already behind the eight ball because we we just flat out can't do that as well as a club can you know that that can choose kids based entirely on their basketball ability. so so one of the things that I do with my courses is we we try to highlight that uh, that higher purpose and and you know I'll talk to them about, I forget the exact numbers off the top of my head here right now, but um, you know, 60% of high school graduates stay within X number of miles of of where they graduate, and um, you know, and, and so we, you know, we tell people like, look, most of our kids who graduate from Grand Forks Public Schools are going to stay in the area. So, you know, what we teach them and how we teach them and and how we get them from being kids to fully functioning adults is going to reflect on our community in the future. And if all we're doing is is teaching kids how to dribble, rebound, and shoot—we're not helping out society a whole lot. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll jokingly say at that point, you know, especially the rebounding, because those of us that have played, you know, Wednesday night men's league basketball, there's no rebounding anyway. So that's not a lifelong skill. Um, you know, so so we try to intentionally teach some of those other things. So um, when I got to Grand Forks, um, they were they were in the beginning stages of a program called Coaching Boys into Men. Um, it's run through a group called Futures Without Violence and um, uh, it, it's a it's a national group that was looking for some pilot programs and and this was in the works when I got here. it really just needed my stamp of approval. Um, but absolutely got it and, and we've been running with it since. But Coaching Boys into Men is a, a curriculum based program that we implement as a part of our practices. Um, it's really designed to to teach boys um, how to relate to people, how to how to talk to people, how to interact with people. Um, you know what what being an adult male should look like in society, and and there's some things that are keyed towards uh, that. You know the, the, the group that does it, um, Futures Without Violence, is really keyed in on on um, uh, domestic abuse. Um, Dating violence, things like that. And so there's there are, you know, there are units within that curriculum that are specific to that, Um, you know, essentially trying to get away from, you know, the stereotypical toxic masculinity, right? This is, you know, this might be how you think a 16 year old boy is supposed to talk to girls, but this is how a 16 year old boy should actually talk. Um, two girls and, and the whole curriculum is kind of built around that. And so it's not, you know, specific to dating violence. It's also, you know, here's how you interact with adults. Here's how you interact with peers. Here's, you know, what your behavior in the public should look like, et cetera, et cetera. So we've been doing that for nine years. Um, the, the national group came up with a parallel female curriculum. Um, it's called athletes as leaders, uh, and that's about four years old. And, and we were given the opportunity to jump into that pilot, we did it without thinking, um, two feet in. And and so you know I don't I don't force that on my coaches. Um, I'm someone who believes, you know, if you force those things on, it, it can actually be detrimental. Um, you know, I have some coaches. If if I told them that they had to do the coaching boys into men curriculum, I have some coaches that would stand in front of their groups and say, oh, I guess we're supposed to do this now, which it, now you're accomplishing the opposite purpose, right? So, so we we provide it. We have a lot of coaches who use it, um, and, and so we'll try to meet the higher purpose that way. Um, the other thing that we've done here over the last few years, I'm a I'm a really strong believer in intentionally teaching the things that you want, and I think one of the things that we that we don't do very well um, in educational based athletics is intentionally teaching characteristics. Um, you know, we're all real good about saying, you know, hey, sports teach character and, and you know, our kids are going to learn how to be timely and they're going to learn accountability and they're going to learn respect, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we're not teaching that. You know, what, what we're doing is we're, we're modeling it, we're patterning it, and then we're expecting the kids to do it. We might hold them accountable for it, right? You know, during a basketball game, if, if uh, you know, a kid drops an F-bomb or if we see him talking back to an official or whatever, we might sit the kids. Um, you know, or, or, you know, or whatever the consequence might be. Um, But I I go to the other end of it. Have we intentionally taught that kid how you're supposed to interact with officials? Have we intentionally taught that kid what being a good teammate looks like? Um, And so what I've tried to implement with my coaches over the last few years is a set of core values. Um, We let our teams pick those on their own. Um, And and they're pretty wide ranging, you know, we have some teams that will choose them based simply on a characteristic where the core value, you know, it it might be persistence and respect. Um, We have some that will use little aphorisms. Um, You know, I have a golf coach who's really, really good about this and his core values are, you know, we will be brave. Um, It's, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. We will be positive. We will be a team. Um, Those are his uh, aphorisms, Uh, but then we go one step farther with our coaches and our coaches come up with ways to intentionally teach those things. Um, You know, so if one of your core values as a team is that you will be brave, how are you going to teach that to kids? And so he, you know, he, he comes up with active ways, both on the golf course and off, that you can be brave. You know, what does being brave look like on a golf course? Well, sometimes it means being aggressive. Right. If if you know you want to take that five wood and hit it out of the fairway bunker, this is what being brave is. If that's your best shot selection at the time, be brave. You know, take a shot at it. And and you know, as a coach, then he has to be very careful about. You know, I'm not going to get down on this kid. Right. If 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 she dumps that shot, if she dinks it, if she buries it, if whatever it is that goes wrong. You know, as long as he knows that this was her way of being brave and attempting this aggressive shot, yep, I mean, and so, okay, this is what happened. Now, what's the next thing that we do? Uh, But then we take that outside of sports also. What does it look like to be brave in school? Um, You know, that might mean sitting in the front row. That might mean volunteering for projects. That might mean answering questions when teachers ask. Um, That might mean sitting at a different table at lunch, right? I mean, find, find the kid that you've noticed is sitting by herself all day long and, and grab a golf teammate and go over and sit with her. Um, you know, being brave, you know, we, we talked to some of our boys about things like this, you know, being respectful, being brave. It means if you see someone, you know, getting bullied, getting shoved around in the hallway, I mean, being strong enough to be the one who stands against the group. Um, but intentionally teaching those things rather than, you know, rather than expecting them. And so I, I you know, I, I have the advantage being a district AD of also being my own building level AD. And so I, you know, I, I have the ears of all 41 of our programs um, to, to try to be able to create this umbrella. And so when we talk about core values, you know, it's not specific to just one team or to just one school. You know, we're, we're trying to use that language across the district. Um, and we've actually created a little bit of social pressure around our teams that aren't very good about it right now. Um, you know, where kids who are multi-sport athletes are able to come back and say, you know, hey, we've got a... You know, great set of core values and, and coach whoever does a really good job of teaching these in the fall, you know, wondering why we're not seeing some of that in the winter, and then I can lean on our coaches right and say hey look I mean we've got we've got parents saying, you know, hey you're doing a nice job teaching you know dribbling shooting and rebounding but they're looking for more. Um, what can we do for more? And, and, and then again, tying all of that back to that idea of being a tax-funded public entity. So when the time comes for us to justify our programs to the school board, to the public, to John Q. Taxpayer, we can say, you know, look, I'm teaching things to our athletes that they're not getting anywhere else. You know, you're not, you're not getting that in math class. Our, our math teacher, you know, he's got, got his or her hands full teaching math. Um, and, and of course, you know, we expect the kids to, to behave and all that, but we've got this platform in athletics to intentionally teach these things. And that's something that I'd like to think that we're doing pretty well here. Um, we can certainly get better. Um, you know, we've got coaches that aren't very good about it. I've got coaches that are trying that, that you know, we can do some tweaks. Um, we've got folks who ignore me altogether. In fact, I, I just had a conversation with a coach yesterday. Um, and I, I told that coach, like we have flat out got to get you beyond skill, scheme and strategy because you are running a club program underneath our high school umbrella right now. And it's not good enough. I mean, it's, it's not good enough. And, you know, we're, we're, in a, we're in a pretty substantial budget crunch here right now. And, and so I was able to even mention that to the coach. You know, it, it's going to be really tough for me to justify your program if the school board tells me I've got to cut a program because what you're doing could be done by the club. Um, and so, you know, we could get better, but uh, it, it's something that I'd like to think that we're doing pretty well is, you know, yeah, sports can absolutely build character, but let's teach that. Let's, let's teach exactly what we think that should look like.
0: I just love uh, both of those programs that you mentioned and the whole theme of being intentional. We're going to do this at the end of the show, but uh, if one of our listeners wants to reach out and pick your brain on some of these ideas, what's the best way they can get in touch with you, Mark?
1: Yeah, my email is is probably the easiest way. Um, my email is uh, it's m two three zero, so m r e r i c k two three zero at mygfschools.org, schools with an S, but yeah, just shoot me an email. Um, You know, the other way that that you can find me, our our district website is gfschools.org. And then uh, I'm sure in the NIAAA portal, I'll come up in the members section there also, and it's all the same email. So mreric230 at mygfschools.org.
0: Yeah, I was gonna mention uh, it is up there on the NIAAA portal, Uh, you know, great, great stuff um again that whole intentionality thing you know one of my um you know mantras just as a general statement with our coaches and our programs for years has been you know everything you see uh, when you walk in the door when you go in the locker room when you're in the gym you're on the field everything you see it's either coached or it's allowed which one is it and you know those initiatives that you talked about you know take that you know base idea and say okay you know this is how we're going to be intentional about it just love it great stuff and i love your comment about rebounding in the old man's league um uh, <laughs> my high school coach gave me this a 100 years ago um talking about you know there it wasn't me but one of my teammates was uh we we're watching an old film and uh, uh the ball came to him off the backboard and he said coach that was that's a rebound uh you didn't give me credit for that rebound and he goes You have to leave the floor for it to be a rebound. That was simply (laughs) grabbing a loose ball.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I like that. I like that.
0: Um, Let's take this idea a little bit further uh, of being intentional. Um, We've been doing this podcast now for a little over a year. Still got a long way to go to catch up with you guys. But uh, one of the questions that I've been asking uh, revolves around this idea of social awareness or or social justice. And and this is my question. What are some things that we can do as athletic administrators to do a better job of being socially aware? I think you kind of hit on uh, uh, some of that in your previous answer, but you know, taking a laser focus on this theme, you know, how can we do a better job in this area?
1: Yeah, you know, to me, I think the biggest part of that in in our athletic populations is inclusion. Um, I, I think that, you know, within the world of athletics, because athletics is so highly valued in society, Um, And and of course, that filters down to high school, you know, each high school has its team, right, whatever, whatever your team is. So here it's hockey, Um, you know, Grand Forks for for folks that know the hockey world. Um, Grand Forks is the home of the University of North Dakota, Um, you know, which which despite what the folks across the river might say is the single best collegiate hockey program in the nation. Um, and, And so of course, that trickles down to our high schools and so hockey is king and, and one of the things that we've tried to get our high school hockey teams to understand is you know yeah you've got to work your tail off and and you know you've got to increase your skill and and you know all of those things if you're going to make our varsity roster uh, but understand that you know your exceptional talent in hockey isn't that different than somebody else's exceptional talent in music or in drama or in math or in, you know, whatever? And so one of the things that we're working with our kids is getting them to understand that that being a varsity athlete doesn't doesn't exclude you from the general population. Um, so if I can if I can give you a real brief example, I'm again using one of my hockey teams at at, at one of my schools. Um, our varsity hockey program has uh, a history of, of really being exclusive um, to the point where um, you know the one that really sent me over the edge a few years ago um, they were having the the you know snow days spirit days at school and and the, the school's colors are red and black and uh, you know one of the days it was sea of red day and so everybody was encouraged to wear you know school gear in, in red and our, our varsity hockey program um, showed up to school that day, and they were all dressed in their travel gray sweats. Um, and, uh, it, and then the next day, we actually played a rival basketball game the next day, and uh, we really struggled to get our, our hockey kids out to support other athletes. We've really been working on that the last few years and um, had our rivalry basketball game against cross school or cross town school, and again, this this same varsity team showed up um, in travel sweat so they identified themselves as members of the hockey team but then sat separately from the student body um, and, and would wait until our cheerleaders started a student section cheer and then they would start their own silly nonsense over the top of it and so you know readily identifying themselves as members of varsity hockey hockey and then and then bucking the curve and so when I say inclusion um, this is one of the things that we that we've been working with um, with all of our varsity athletes is just saying you know look your your talent exists within the athletic world Um, but understand that you know, everybody has a talent, whatever that is, and, and you know, it, it all exists. And so, you know, can we get our kids to be more inclusive? Because um, what we really believe in is if we can get our kids to understand that they're just a small piece of this large population, it becomes a lot tougher to exclude yourself from that population. And, and once you've excluded, you know, or once you're included in that population, when there's no more exclusion, it becomes a lot harder to point fingers. Um, you know, and whether that's, you know, when you get into the, you know, stereotypical definition of bullying um, or, or finger pointing or whatever, you know, well, if you view yourself as a part of that population, that doesn't happen anymore, right? I mean, and, in, in, you know, you and I, before we started recording and, you know, I was kind of joking about red state, blue state a little bit, and you know, there's obviously a, a massive divide in our nation right now between those folks that are, are red, 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 and those that are blue, 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 and, and it's because you're able to identify yourself as, as a red or as a blue, and then you can point your finger at the other color and say, you know, you are wrong. Um, and, and so to a much smaller scale, that's what we're looking at in our schools. You know, we don't want kids to identify themselves as athletes and as non-athletes. And then being able to point your finger at the other group and say, you know, well, you're a knucklehead jock or, or, you know, you're a a useless, you know, John Q student. We want our kids to include themselves in the general population. And so, you know, we are all members of this student population. We all have our strengths. We all have our weaknesses um, and really try to build acceptance that way.
0: Yeah, gosh, uh, as you're sharing that story, I was, you know, going back to a similar situation I had at not my most recent school, but another one where You know, we just had a team that the student athletes were just, at that point in their lives, they just weren't very nice people. And uh, it it took us a a couple of years to really, we just had to cycle them out through graduation uh, and develop some leadership at at the JV level and beyond. Uh, I remember talking with some parents, you know, how come nobody comes to our games? Uh, Your kids aren't that popular. Okay, uh, so that, that's, that's tough. Uh, and, and, you know, again, you hit it, the head nail on the head is, you know, having those coaches in place, that, you know, have bought into the system that share those values and, and want to promote those values with the kids. That's the key. Yeah. Great yeah, stuff. If,
1: if I can interject on that real quick, too, because I think there's, you know, we, we, we can all, if you've been in this long enough, you can all, you know, list a group of kids coming through that fits that mold, right? It's, it's, a, it's a bad group of kids, uh, you know, or on the other side, it's a great group of kids. And one of the things that I really like about intentionally teaching some of these characteristics or intentionally teaching some of these leadership skills is that you're always prepared for the year after that, um, the year after those kids are done, whether, whether they've been awesome or whether or not. And um, you know, just you know, real quickly, the, the year that really kind of enlightened me to this, um, when I was teaching and coaching, I was fortunate enough to win a state championship um, in football. We had, a, um, we had a group, a senior group that came through. Um, I had 10 kids in the senior class, which for our school was, it was big. Um, But uh, I I had 10 senior football players and they were all outstanding human beings. Um, They were, they were intelligent. They were dedicated. They were hardworking. I mean, they were, you know, help little ladies across the street type kids. I mean, a students, you know, I I think back now, I mean, I, I think, I think two of them are doctors, I think three of them are engineers, you know, one is a a business guy who owns his own farm, I mean, they they were just, they were great, and what had happened in our small little community, I mean, these kids had been great forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and, you know, so for the, the two or three or four groups of kids behind them, all they had ever been told for their entire lives is, do what those guys are doing. You know, you, you didn't have to think about the decisions you were making. Just latch on to this group of kids um, and, and worked great for us. The year we won the title, everybody latched on to this group of kids. And, and you know, we, we all did our jobs and we all did it well. and We all worked hard and, um, and we had a really, really good team. Uh, the next year, athletically, we were as talented. But all of a sudden, I found myself with a roster full of kids who didn't know how to lead. And it, entirely our fault. We'd never taught them. We had never taught them how to leave. We had taught them. We had spent, at that point, really 16 years teaching these kids how to follow. I mean, we we had intentionally taught them how to follow. That's all we'd ever said. Do what Andrew's doing. Do what Bill's doing. Do what Jake's doing. I mean, that's all we had ever said. And now, all of a sudden, oh, crap. (laughs) <laughs> these kids don't know how to lead. Um, and so it's another reason that I like it intentionally teaching this now because you're not, you know, when you do that with your full roster, you're not just teaching your leaders, you're teaching your whole roster. And, you know, could, could my guys who came afterwards have led in the same manner? no. But they would have found their own niche and and they you know they they would have at least had the skills to do it um but that year afterwards was a struggle for that reason because you know all of a sudden we're we're policing behavior and we're you know we're policing motivation and we're policing effort and and everything that we had never worried about because we hadn't taught it um which is really just another reason you know again to intentionally teach those things early and often
0: Now, again, the, it comes back to that intentionality, or, or as I like to say, it's either coached or it's allowed, okay? Absolutely. Mark, uh, you know, we've been doing this for a long time, you know, you and I in different parts of the country, but you know, our paths really haven't crossed that much. And it's really been great to uh, get to know you just a little bit today and, and hear about some of the things that you do at your school, but we're not done yet. Uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Um, You're know, you certainly an experienced AD and award-winning AD, but uh, right now I'm going to put you on the spot and challenge you to send out a brand-new athletic director on their very first job. But I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What three items are going to go in Mark Rarick's athletic director toolbox? I
1: have to think back to... uh... You know, when when Marker became a first time AD in his community, when I was thinking about your your toolbox question, um, you know, obviously, I think, as you listen to me ramble here, I'm, I'm really big on philosophy of why we do things more than just the mechanics. So the all three things I have are, are philosophical. And I think it's I, I think it's things that, you know, once you've been in this business long enough, we all get to eventually. Um, but I think all three of them are scary for new ADs. So so for new ADs. Um, the the first suggestion that I'll tell them is care less, but with empathy. Um, and, And I say care less because, you know, we're in the business of education and, you know, we are here because we enjoy kids and you get into coaching and you get into being an athletic director because you love sports. And when you love kids and when you love sports, you really, really get tied to the individual outcome of each kid. And I think that really tends to cloud our judgment sometimes in administration. I, 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 I think that there are times that we're creating far more gray area than needs to be. And I think that really makes our jobs difficult on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, and so my suggestion to, to ADs is always care less, uh, but do it with empathy. So care less with empathy. Understand that the de- decisions that you make need to be the best decision for your full program. You know, and sometimes that decision is going to hamper a kid. Sometimes it's not going to be the best thing for an individual kid. It might not be the best thing for an individual team. Um, But in doing that, you know, you have to remove yourself as an administrator from that narrow window. You know, you've got to remove yourself um, from each individual item to be able to look with an umbrella over your whole program um, so number one is care less with empathy uh, number two and my guess jake is you've heard this uh, a thousand times but number two is own your time um, be in charge of your own time and to me that's everything i mean you know ad is just because you get a text message doesn't mean you have to immediately respond to that text message um, just because you get an email doesn't mean you need to immediately respond to that email um, it, you know, you, you have to be in charge of your own time. Um, and I tell my coaches, you know, and I, I weasel out a little bit with texts, you know, I'll tell them, you know, thankfully Apple hasn't come up with a way for you to mark texts as unread yet. Right. So you, you check that text and you lose the little notification. And so, um, you know, what I tell my coaches is you might send me a text, but if I need to keep that as part of my to-do list, I might not respond. Um, so that's the excuse I give them, but in reality, I might just not be responding. Um, you know, I, 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 tell our coaches, you know, look, I, I've got a wrestling coach who I really enjoy very much. Um, but his, his mind is on his wrestling season for 12 months a year. Um, and, and I mean, 24 hours a day, 365, I mean, it is constant. And so, you know, in, in the middle of, you know, June at 9:30 at night, I might get a text from him for a thought that he has for our late December wrestling tournament, you know, and I tell my coaches, send it. Because I understand that part of the coaching world, send it. If that's when you think of it and you need to get that off your, you know, send it. But as an AD, I'm going to own my own time. I'm not going to respond to you at 930 at night. Um, And I think about this with everything. I mean, you know, when you you return calls, you know, when you do your daily tasks, when you do your, you know, your long-term tasks, I mean, own your time. Figure out what schedule works best for you. Um, and and do that Um, the last little piece about this and this is for for young 80s in terms of owning your own time you have to learn to be okay not having the last word because you know if you're in an email discussion if you're in a text discussion especially with an angry parent that angry parent is always going to say one more thing so at some point you got to just drop it I mean, at some point, just drop it. And it took me a while to to get to that part of owning my own time. Um, but uh, I very rarely get the last word in discussions. I'll I'll, I'll let somebody vent something, and then I'll just ghost it from there out. I won't say anything. So, there's my second one: own your own time. Uh, the last one, and this is probably the most difficult one for me, uh, but be human. It's okay to be human. Um, it, it's okay to be vulnerable. Uh, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to not know something. You know, all of those are okay. Um, I, I think what happens for, especially for young ADs, you, you know, you, you become in charge and we think that part of being in charge is that we have to know everything and we have to be able to solve everything. Um, and, and you forget that you're, you're a human being, you're a person. Um, you know, I, I, I liken this to being a homeowner. Uh, just because I'm a homeowner doesn't mean I know how to fix everything around my house. Um, and, and there are things that go wrong that I can do right away. Um, there are things that I'm going to have to check YouTube real fast, but I'm fairly certain I can figure it out. Uh, there are things that I'm smart enough to just call somebody else. And uh, it's the same thing being an AD. Um, you know, the other, the other part about just being human in this role is understanding that, you know, you're in the driver's seat. I mean, you, you have power, you have control. And so it's okay to tell a parent that you don't know an answer, because they can't do anything without you anyway. You know, so just tell them, "I don't know, but I'll figure it out." You know, if you screwed something up, tell them, "Yep, I screwed it up. I'll do better next time." Um, because at the end of the day, and I know this hurts, right? I mean, this hurts if a parent knows they're right and you're wrong. I know it hurts, but you're still in the driver's seat. I mean, you're you're still the admin. You're still in control. You still have the power on your side of the table. So it's okay to be human. Um, if, if you don't know something, admit it. If you screwed it up, admit it. And then just always guarantee that you'll get better in the future. And then of course, work towards getting better in the future. So there's number three for you. Just be human.
0: Oh gosh, I, I'm sure you saw me writing all those down. Those are great ideas. Um, and, and again, talking about, you know, a parent wants to get in the last word. You know, I, I'm sure you've heard this before. A parent comes to your office or calls you up. Did you know and then proceeds to describe uh something that y- you have not you have no idea and so i go well no i didn't know that thank you for sharing and and i'll get back to you on that <laughs> but nope. uh oh yeah just great great uh, tools i appreciate that and obviously those are going to be in the uh second edition of the athletic directors toolbox so there we go mark one more time uh if one of our listeners wants to reach out to you and I encourage you to do so what a wealth of information what's the best way they can get in touch with you
1: yeah again my my email is mrer 230 at mygfschools.org um, mrerick230 at mygfschools.org um, you can also uh, you know if you message me on Twitter I'll, I'll get it that way too I'm not uh, I'm not very active um, on Twitter but I do check it every day uh, my Twitter handle is at dr c m a a. Um, so I'll, uh, I, I would get messages there too, but, but, uh, if you shoot me an email, I'm pretty good about, uh, keeping track of that and responding to those, um, I'll own my time. So it might not be immediate response, depending on what I'm doing. Uh, but I'll get back to you pretty quickly.
0: Okay. For our listeners, we're recording this on July 22nd. So it's pretty timely information while you're listening to it. Uh, Mark, this isn't on our uh, list of questions, so I'm ambushing you here. Uh, what are the chances that we're going to hear uh, some more episodes of the off-duty ADs down the road?
1: You know, it, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, you know, we, we took a lot of pride in, in being really the first podcast to this space um, for high school athletic directors Um, we had talked about, you know, what our podcast would sound like and what it would look like, um, really for about a year until we finally got around to launching it. Um, you know, we, we knew that timeliness was going to be a a big piece of it. You know, we, we had a list of topics that we wanted to get through to begin with. And we knew, you know, in, in our world, in the AD world, you know, if you're not including current events, your, your topic list is pretty finite. Um, you know, eventually you can get to it. And it was a lot. I mean, you know, we, we hit 150 episodes or whatever it was. Uh, what we weren't anticipating was the, the difficulty in scheduling all three of us um, on a routine basis when we're working around nine kids. Um, and so what, you know, what we had run into was our personal and professional schedules and the coordination for that. And um, you know, the, the amount of time that it was taking us to, to record, the amount of time it was taking me to edit and to publish, um, and, and what that was taking away from, uh, really, from our families. Um, and, and then kind of a coordination of what happened, you know, we our, our podcast became less timely, which then, of course, puts more emphasis, emphasis on the topic, because you learn, you know, you lose current events, and then we found ourselves... Spending the first 20 minutes of our get-togethers trying to decide what we were going to talk about, and um, so you know the the short answer to your question, Jake, you know I I don't know. I mean we we didn't shut it down. Um, Our episodes are still live. Um, You know if you go to uh, off-duty ads on your podcatcher of choice, all 151 are still there. Um, They're they're still there for consumption. They're still there for listening. Um, I still monitor our Twitter and Facebook accounts. I still monitor our email accounts. So we're we're fairly responsive. Um, it, it certainly exists. I, you know, the, the other thing that uh, you know, the three of us are all pretty good in our professions about expanding. And, and you know, Mike does a lot with coaches' education. Um, you know, I've I've had a blog that's still up and running, uh, youthsportsstuff.com. Um, I haven't written on it for about three years, but everything is still live there. I mean, there's there are other options to possibly get into this space. Um, I'm, I'm you know hoping to use that time to get back into more writing and. And uh, again, you know, providing young ads, providing colleagues um, with usable stuff. So um, that was a really long way for me to avoid your question, Jake. I, you know, I, I don't know that we'll get back into it. Certainly not for the foreseeable near future, but it's not entirely off the table.
0: Well, uh, again, I uh, apologize a little bit for ambushing you, but uh, <laughs> to Mark's point, you know, the the podcast episodes are still out there and still some really. Great content. So, uh, if you have not you know, check, I encourage you strongly to check out the Off Duty ADs podcast uh, on all of the podcast carriers that uh, are out there. Mark, great stuff. Um, are, are you going to be at the state coordinators meeting in September in Indianapolis?
1: Well, I will not be. I am, I am. That is actually not one of my roles um, okay. here in the state. One of one of the few things that I haven't taken on. Um, so the, the next time that uh, that I hope to be visible on the national scene will be at our, at our national conference in Denver um, in December. And, and uh, I'll be out there early. Publications committee meets before the conference. So I'll be out there early. Um, you know, AD is listening. I teach 719, um, which uh, I, I've been teaching for I think seven years now with Daryl Nance. Um, Daryl's one of the <laughs> one of the Hall of Famers in our organization. What an outstanding outstanding individual! And so I, I ride his coattails. Um, but uh, seven nineteen is the leadership course. It's an outstanding class. We're actually adding two new instructors to it um, for the first time this December. Um, former President Andy Childs will be a part of our faculty, and and Dustin Smith, who's um, really starting to get involved in our organization here also. So. Um, just a, a great, great group of instructors. So if you're looking for something to take out there, um, 719. Uh, I, I also run the Blue Ribbon panel, um, and so I'll be I'll be in and out of rooms uh, all through December. And and like I said, you know we we take something away from every interaction we can with colleagues. So you know, listeners out there, if you uh, if you see me uh, come up, say hi. Let me know who you are, where you're from. Um, I'm uh, I'm, a, I'm a good small town North Dakotan, so I know how to shoot the breeze for a little bit. Uh, we'll we'll find some common ground somewhere.
0: Uh, well, again, thanks so much for being on uh, our show, and uh, you know, let's definitely make some plans to uh, share a beverage or two uh, in Denver. Okay?
1: You can do that. I hear they have a brewery or two out there.
0: Okay. To our listeners, thanks as always for uh, tuning in. Remember, the Zoom recordings of these interviews are being uploaded to the educational AD podcast YouTube channel. Uh, Thanks again. Come back again for another episode of The Educational AD.